Hello and welcome to the First Prez Mommy podcast, the show for people on the go who like to stay in tune with the conversations at our church. Today, Pastor Clint Tolbert leads us through Mark 5, 21-43. Demonstrating the power of the kingdom by healing a woman inflicted with bleeding and raising a young girl from the dead, Jesus calls people to trust in him, not give in to desperate fear. Let's hear today's message. That's exactly what we're hoping for as we uh, come to and take in God's Word, this Word where we see some dramatic events of, of people in desperate trouble that encounter Jesus and, and He lifts them. That's, I'm sure, the desire of our heart as well. And so to help us recognize this more and more uh, personally in the Scripture, I want to show you Uh, I want to show you a video. Now, the video you're going to see is only uh, about a minute long, um, but it may feel like it goes on for eternity because it is quite possibly one of the most creepy videos I think I have ever seen. So I'm warning you um, that this is odd, but what I want you to do is look past the creepiness. Yes, Holly, you might get some nightmares tonight. You'll, You'll remember this. But look past it, because the message of the video is one that I kind of want to reflect on as we come into the scripture together. All right, so everybody ready? Brace yourself. Okay, here we go. Many people have skipped this video, but if you stayed, know that I have something very important that God has sent me to tell you. Things are going to start getting better. The Lord is going to transform your story. Get ready because there are new things from God on the way. The scenery of your life, which was ugly, bad, and unclear, is being changed today itself. Notice how the scenery of your life is being changed, you see. If you believe it, share this video. Give it a like here. Don't leave this video without confirming this word, because it is for you. Confirm it and believe in it. The tears you shed next will be tears of gratitude. What you will experience will seem like a dream but it will be reality. Receive the blessings from God that are coming to you. Never forget that he is always by your side, always supporting you, and will never abandon you, even if sometimes you stray from his path. Do you believe? Do you have faith? If so, comment so that I know. If you can share this message, I will give you a special blessing, because hope and faith will reach more people. If they are blessed, you who spread the word will also be blessed. Thank you very much. Is that not like the most creepy thing you've ever seen? This, if you're not aware, is an AI-generated video, artificial intelligence-generated video. Both the script that is being spoken and the image. Certainly the producer put in something like, show me an image of Jesus Or I wonder if they put in, show me an image of Fabio, right? I'm not sure which of the two is more (laughs) accurate. And and then wrote the script. And while it is absurd and creepy and funny and just weird, like, it's relevant in our culture. So those who made this video began making them and releasing them on on social media in mid-November. Since then, they have released... 70 such videos. 
primarily on the social media platform TikTok. And in the first service, I, I checked with some who were sitting down here, some of them my own children. I'm like, have you seen these? And they went, oh yeah, we've seen them. Because everyone is seeing them. 800,000 people have not only seen a video like this one, but they have decided to follow. Now, I'm not 100% sure what I mean by follow, but it is some means of interactions. When you watch that video and you say, I want to make sure I see more of that. So you follow, and as a follower, these show up in your feed. 800,000 plus people. Even more than that, 9 million people have seen that video or one like it and positively interacted with it, giving it a like or a heart or saying amen or something like that. I mean, that's a lot of people. Would you agree? I mean, if we had 800,000 people in our church, we'd be going, hey, praise God, right? Let's think about the promise of that video. In essence, it said, if you believe and share, right? If you believe, your challenges will be turned into blessings. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is have enough faith. Now, let's throw away the obvious attempt at manipulation. If you're not aware of social media, the more people you can get to view a video, even more, the more people you can get to share it, interact with it. There's actually a a monetary response, you can make money, and so that's why they're saying share, like, do all of that, throw all that away. Let's just think about what the video is actually communicating. If you believe, if you have faith, God will change your life. God will transform your story. Instead of challenge and trial, you will receive blessings from God if you just have enough faith. Because God cares about you so much. Right? Wrong? Eh. Here's the reality. All of us go through desperate moments in our life, right? Life is hard. Most of you know I just lost my mother. I'm in one of those moments where it's just like, eh, angst, angst there. Some of you are in other moments. If you're not there now, you can remember them. Uh, And the sad reality of this video, the testimony of this video, is that there are hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions of people, going through moments like this, and they come across a video of an artificially rendered Jesus, and not having any other place to turn, not a church, not a priest, not... They think, well, maybe... Why not? What's it hurt? In their desperation, they turn to this thing that is absolutely absurd absurd in the hopes that God will respond. Now, before deriding others or mocking them, I want you to ask yourself the question. When you're in that moment, receive that news, or just in this place where you cannot see ahead and it is desperate, anxious. What do you expect from Jesus when you reach out to him? 
Who is the Jesus that presents himself in the scripture that we just read? My sense is there's a danger that as we look at that text, our thinking, our response isn't all that different from the response of many to the Jesus that comes across on social media. But it certainly should be, of course. And so let's, let's look at it a little more closely and, and seek to understand how in Jesus presents himself and, and, and who he is. If you didn't already, Mark chapter 5 is where we'll look. I invite you to turn there, and as you're turning, let me just pause and pray a little more. Lord, uh, we are living in a world that is desperate. It is hard. We are aware of that for many. It's true for ourselves as well. We're grateful that you have given us your word, given us your spirit, given us your church, one another, that by these things we might encounter you. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, would you come into this moment? Help us to receive more than just understanding. Help us to receive your very presence here in our midst. And as we receive you, Lord, fill us with faith that helps us to to go from this place honoring and serving you with our life. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, as you certainly saw when Margot read, the passage that we looked at uh, holds out to us two stories. Two stories of desperation, two stories of of healing. These are stories offered to us not back to back, but kind of interwoven together. First, uh, an introduction to Jairus and, and his sick little girl and his desperate plea. And then as Jesus is on the way, this woman interrupts Jesus and begs for help. And then when Jesus is done dealing with her, he returns to give his attention to Jairus and, and, and his need. When you see two stories like this in the scripture, it's important that you recognize that it's not by accident. This is likely put this way because, sure, this is the way the events unfolded, but also because these stories, uh, as we play them off against each other, help us understand more about who Jesus is and and some of the key concepts that are there uh, within both. Now, certainly one of the things that that these stories have in common is the, the absolute desperation of the people who reach out to Jesus. You saw that, right? You sense that. These stories call us to think about what, why were these people desperate? And when have I been desperate? And when I am desperate and reach out to Jesus, what am I asking for? The, The desperate plea of both the father and this woman is, is depicted in the in the passage in the same way, with the, with the same word, even the same word as it's translated into English. It, with the Father, it's in verse 23. You can see it. He, he reaches out to Jesus, and he says, please, 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 please come that she may be healed. He's, he's desperately desiring healing for his daughter. The woman, likewise, comes in desperation, and she doesn't speak the word healing, but the scripture helps us recognize that 
That also, of course, is what she's desperate for. Verse 28, she thought that I may be healed if I only touch the fringe of his garment. This word translated in the English as, as heal is the Greek word sozo. And while healing is a, is a fine translation of it, it just it, it doesn't bring the fullness of the word. There's, there's no word in English that could. Because sozo, while it means healing, it also means salvation. It also means redemption and rescue. It means deliverance. It is this big, big, theologically rich word. So much more than you would ever expect to receive from the doctor. It's more than a remedy. Something deeper. It's the recognition that, that life is not uh, in your control. That you are in trouble on so many fronts and you need rescue. You need salvation. You need healing. That's what these two people are depicting for us. So whenever we're reading narratives such as this, we're, we're invited to, yes, look at definitions of words like I did, but, but just also trying to visualize what it was like for them. It's probably not too hard to do that with the, the father of the dying little girl, right? Especially if you're a parent, but you probably don't even need to be a parent to kind of Understand, boy, what would it feel like if your, if your little girl was on death's doorstep and you just had no other place to turn? That desperation that builds up within you that would cause you to do darn near anything to take hold of her rescue. The woman, on the other hand, I think it's a little harder to grasp or visualize or to understand her desperation. Because her desperation is not only related to the physical reality of her body, but also what that means for her social standing and, and her place in the religious community, all of that. And so I want to I help us visualize that a little bit more. Uh, because I tortured you with what is probably the worst use of technology in the interaction of our faith, let me show you uh, one that I think might be one of the best these days. Who, raise your hand if you are familiar with the television show The Chosen. Okay, good, 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 good. More than half of you, I think, are. The Chosen is, is a, a show that's currently being produced. And while it is not scripture, you know, I've watched some with my kids, and we just, it's so good, I have to remind them, okay, just be careful. You know, that's not God's word, but, but it is really good. And those who are, who are producing it are Christians and are seeking to faithfully visualize the scripture. Uh, where the scripture doesn't speak, they're very, very creative. And the uh, production quality, unlike lots of Christian stuff from the past, uh, is really, really good. So I want to show you this scene because there is an episode that depicts this scene. If you, if you read the newsletter, maybe you've already watched it. Maybe you watched the whole episode. I hope you have. Um, but I want you to see this as a way to just think about the desperation within this woman, I also want you to see it as a way to, for me to say, hey, think about going and watching the rest of this series because I think it's that good. Um, and if you are in, are in our Facebook community group, when you get home, there'll be a link in there. I'll put a post so you can go find it on your own. But watch this and think about the desperation of this, this woman. Amen. 
back. Stay back, everyone. No, no, no. Question. Who touched me? Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. What is she desperate for? That's what I want us to think about for a moment. Is it simply that, that there would be a cure that she would stop hemorrhaging, stop bleeding? How about the father? What is, what is he desperate for? Just that somebody would wave a wand or do some sort of magic trick over his daughter? She would be healed or brought back to life. Some of you are in desperate spots now. Some of you can remember when you were. What were you desperate for? Some of you received a cancer diagnosis, for example. Are you only in that moment desperate for a healing within your body? If you go to the doctor and and get a clean report, wonderful. The world is restored, life is back as it should be. Is that enough? Some of you doubt whether your life has much meaning. 
had uh, heart-wrenching conversations with some in our congregation, some of the youngest, actually, teenagers, and some of the oldest, both of whom say, I don't think my life's worth all that much. If someone gave you something meaningful to do in the midst of that desperation, would that be enough? Is that all you're looking for? You're likely aware that the average American household is swimming in debt. I don't know about you, but presumably there are some who are really overwhelmed by debt. You're in a desperate situation. You're calling out to God, quite possibly. Let me ask you, if you hit the lottery, (laughs) does that cover it? You're good? That's all you need? What I want us to see in this passage is that the desperation of the father and the desperation of this woman and our desperation calls for a solution that goes far beyond any sort of worldly outcome. It wasn't just healing that they were looking for. Let me show you from Scripture. Think about it. When we are desperate, desperation is almost always accompanied by fear, correct? And fear is another one of the commonalities between these two passages. So, for example, let's start at verse 30, the scene just depicted there. The woman reaches out, she touches Jesus' cloak, the tassels there. There's some meaning behind that that the, the chosen people created, and it's fascinating. I don't have time for it. but So she touches that, and then Jesus says, who touched my clothes? Verse 30. See that? Let's, let's think to ourselves a little bit. Did Jesus already know who touched his clothes, do you think? Yeah, right? I mean, he's Jesus. He knew, he knew who touched him. Now, how do you think Jesus was feeling about this woman's uh, action. I mean, in the video, they, they pictured Jesus speaking with what I would describe as a bit of a scolding tone, right? Who touched me? Is that the way you read it? It's kind of the way I read it, right? When I first read it, Bible study, we had Don read it, and Don read it with a bit of a scolding tone. I didn't cue him. That's just the way we, we kind of see it. Do you think Jesus was really mad he wasn't bad. His pretend, pretended anger drew this woman in so that Jesus could speak to her place of desperation, not her desire for physical healing, but something greater. Look at verse 33. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, there it is, told him, The whole truth. What is she afraid of? If her heart's desire, if her desperation was only for physical healing, then wouldn't you expect, however it came about, even if she had had pulled one over on Jesus and stolen some power from, like, she would be elated, would she not? Like, Whatever the consequences, I don't care. 
I'm healed. But she's not. She's afraid. Why? Because she's really desperate for something even more than physical healing. And she sees it in Jesus. The Father. Think about the Father. Right? So later on, if you go on this scene, watch it this afternoon. It's raining. You got nothing. Football doesn't start till 3.30, I think it is. Right? So they move on from the woman. And some come and they say, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. Little girl's dead. He can't do anything. Can you imagine? Imagine what the father is feeling. He had desperately done it. He'd taken a great risk to him. He desperately reached out to Jesus. He thought maybe, but now it's too late. Jesus, verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. And this, friends, I think is the kind of the most important verse of this passage. It's the one that everything else builds to, both the women, woman and the father. Don't be afraid. Just believe. The, the father's fear is the same as the, the woman's fear. That's why we have them here together. And, and it is belief that Jesus holds up as the counter to fear and desperation in that moment. Now, we've talked about this before, but belief is a perfectly good translation of the word in Greek there. But because of our culture, not because of the translators, because of our culture, it can be problematic. In Western culture, whenever we talk about believing something, we are largely talking about the mind, right? Do you believe something? We're saying, do you think it to be true? But Jesus is asking a whole lot more than that. Do you see it? The the word translated believe also means surrender, also means trust. When this father hears the words, hey, leave him alone, your daughter's dead, and his heart jumps and he's afraid terrified even he looks at Jesus and Jesus looks at him and he says don't be afraid trust 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 me trust that I have power trust that I love you trust that I care trust that I'm in control even over death Their desperation points to a solution far beyond any worldly outcome, far beyond any any transaction or request. What, What does this passage teach us about this kingdom that Jesus is announcing? Let's remember together, Mark 1, 15. Remember a few weeks back as we started this book, we said, look, not every gospel does this, not every book of the Bible, but Mark gives us a thesis statement. Everything else points back to this, where Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Everything that follows informs that and helps us understand more. What does he mean by kingdom? And what is this good news we're supposed to take hold of? And so every week we ought to be asking the question, okay, what does this section 
tell us about that claim right there. And here's what I, th- I think we're to take away this morning. I'm going I'm to read it straight off my script because I want to make sure I get the words right. The kingdom hope is found not in a successful outcome or some sort of worldly transaction, but in a genuine and trusting relationship with Jesus. Did you hear that? Like this kingdom that Jesus is announcing and bringing to the world and the hope that it contains is found not in any sort of outcome, but in a genuine and trusting relationship with Jesus himself. There is a temptation to look at this passage and come away from it going, okay, so the takeaway is I just have to muster enough faith, faith like this father had or faith like this woman had, muster enough faith and ask God with enough genuineness of spirit to do this thing in my life. And if I do, he will do it for me. He did it for them. Right? You see that? That's what the TikTok video said, right? All you have to do is believe enough. And again, TikTok is not anything new. This is is a lie that has been spun generation after generation. Some of you remember the 1960s movie, Elmer Gantry. Anybody remember that? Burt Lancaster. I had to watch it in seminary because they said this is what some people are going to think about you that you are some con artist shyster of religion and you will prey on people's desperation and offer healing. And if they don't experience healing, what, what are you going to say? Well, they didn't have enough faith. They didn't believe enough. It's the 1960s. came out again in the 90s. Anybody remember Steve Martin, Leap of Faith? Come on, gang, you got to brush up on your uh, religious orient, right? Right? Same thing. Same thing. And it was, it's the same thing in this video. Worse, it is what many are hearing from American pulpits today. It's called the prosperity gospel. If you will simply believe enough and probably donate then God will certainly heal you, provide for you, do this thing in your life. Now, let's pause for a moment. Can God do whatever he wants in the world? Someone say amen. Yes, he can, right? Does God do these things in the world frequently? Someone say amen. Yes. Has God guaranteed that if you simply believe enough, he will do what you want? No. Why? Because he cares about your soul and your whole life much more than he cares about making us comfortable in this world. He's inviting us into a kingdom that, yes, is coming into this world, but it, it spans far beyond it. Both the father and the woman were desperate. And though they couldn't have described it exactly, their worldly desperation pointed to something otherworldly. And so the woman knelt on the ground, looking up at Jesus, wondering, is he going to love me when everyone else rejected me? And the father's looking at Jesus and going, is there someone who can have authority over this world and death? 
Yeah, you raised my daughter. Now, what's good is that? She's only going to die a few years later. We all do. Kingdom hope is found not in any sort of outcome in this world, but in a relationship with the one who made the world. And our fear and our desperation is only resolved when we trust him. That's where our desperation points to. That's what this story is all about. Do you see the desperation of this father, of this mother? Do you feel it for yourself? You're not the only one. For remember the cross. What drove Jesus to endure nails in his hands and a spear in his side and thorns in his brow? Is it not desperation? Not for something, but for someone. For you. For you. Jesus was desperate for relationship with you. And so when he hung on the cross, and in that moment where he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was he calling out for? For relationship with the Father. It's a whole other sermon, right? But you and I too. That's what this passage points to, friends. In your desperate moments, when you hit your knees, when there's tears running down your cheeks, when you think no one else understands, when you just don't know what's going to come tomorrow, what do you ask God for? If you want a clue, look at your prayer life. Now God says, hey, tell me what's bothering you. Tell me what you want. Ask me for anything. I'm your father in heaven. You're my child, and I love to give my children good gifts. So you have the freedom to name anything you want. But in prayer, if the attitude of your heart is more treating Jesus like the genie in a bottle and less throwing yourselves into the arms of one who desperately loves you and wants to be in relationship with you, then you have not yet understood what this father and this woman and what Jesus himself wants us to understand. That this desperation leads us into a life-giving, eternal relationship with him. And so let's pray for that right now. Lord Jesus, life is hard. We face things that terrify us, bring us to a desperate place. You know the desires of our hearts. You know what we think we need. We're so grateful that you invite us to share those with you. But would you help us to see from this passage that the 
the greater promise is not for any worldly outcome, but a, a relationship with you. If there are any here who don't know you like that, haven't heard or at least surrendered to your words when you said, don't be afraid, just trust me. Would you help them to do that now? And having done that, Lord, would you enable us to live by faith in ways that honor you? It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our First Pres Mommy podcast. Learn more about our church at our website, firstpresmommy.org. Have a great week.